हरे कृष्णा डिवोटी सर्णवत प्रणाम ऑल ग्लोरी टू शीला प्रभु पातन गुरु महाराज Canto 6 chapter 1 text 50 Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Narayanam namaskritya naram chaiva narotamam Devin sarasatim vyasam tato jayamudirayat Nashta prayeshabaddeshu nityam bhagavata sevaya भगवतीश्लोके भक्तिर्भवतीनिस्वादमोपगते धर्म ज्ञानाधि सह खलो नष्टुदेशो नुनोदिता पंच भी कुरते पंच भेदात पंच भी एकस्तु शोधसेन स्वयं सप्तशोस्ते Pancha B with the five working senses voice arms legs anus and genitals Kurute performs uh swartan is desired interest pancha the five objects of senses sound touch form aroma and taste veda nose atha thus pancha B by the five senses of perception hearing seeing smelling tasting and feeling eka the one two but shodasena by these 15 items and the mind trin the three categories of experience happiness distress and a mixture of both swayam he the living entity himself saptadashaha the 17th item ashnute enjoys Translation above the five senses of perception the five working senses and the five objects of the senses is the mind which is the 16th element above the mind is the 17th element the soul the living being himself who in cooperation with the other 16 enjoys the material world alone the living being enjoys three kinds of situations namely happy distressful and mixed report by divine grace shila prabhupad shila prabhupad ki jay everyone engages in work with his hands legs and other senses just to achieve a certain goal according to his concocted ideas one tries to enjoy the five sense objects namely form sound taste aroma and touch not knowing the actual goal of life which is to satisfy the supreme lord because of disobeying the supreme lord one is put into material conditions He then tries to improve his situation in a concocted way, not desiring to follow the instructions of the supreme personality of Godhead. Nevertheless, the supreme Lord is so kind that he comes himself to instruct the bewildered living entity how to act obediently, and then gradually return home back to Godhead, where he can attain an eternal, peaceful life of bliss and knowledge. The living entity has a body, which is very complicated. Complication. a combination of the material elements 
And with this body he struggles alone, as indicated in this verse by the words Akas 2. For example, if one is struggling in the ocean, he must swim through it alone. Although many other men in aquatics are swimming in the ocean, he must take care of himself because no one else will help him. Therefore, this verse indicates that the seventeenth item, the soul, must work alone. Although he tries to create society, friendship, and love, no one will be able to help him but Krishna, the Supreme Lord. Therefore, his only concern should be how to satisfy Krishna. That is also what Krishna wants. Sarvadharman paritija mamekam sharanam braja. People are bewildered by material conditions. People bewildered by material conditions try to be united, but although they strive for unity among men and nations, all their attempts are futile. Everyone must struggle alone for existence with the many elements of nature. Therefore, one's only hope, as Krishna advises, is to surrender to him, for he can help one become free from the ocean of nations. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu therefore prayed, Ainanda tanu jitinkaram patitamam vishame bhavam buddha kripaya tavapada pankaja stita duli saddisham vichintaya O Krishna, beloved son of Nanda Maharaj, I am your eternal servant, but somehow or other I have fallen into the ocean of nations, and although I am struggling very hard, there is no way I can save myself. If you kindly pick me up and fix me as one of the particles of dust at your lotus feet, that will save me. In a similar way, Bhaktivinoda Thakur saying, Anadi karama phale padi bavar navajale taribari na deke upai. Oh my Lord, I cannot remember when I somehow or other fell into the ocean of nations, and now I can find no way to rescue myself. We should remember that everyone is responsible for his own life. If an individual becomes a pure devotee of Krishna, then he is delivered from the ocean of nations. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militanjena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Namaha Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swamini Namane Namaste Sarasati Devi Gauravani Pacharini Nirvishesha Sanyavadi Paschacha Deshatarni Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Svayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vande Nantad Bhuteshwayam Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhum Nichopi Yat Prasadachad Bhakti Shastra Pavartaka Nityananda Maham Nomi Sarvananda Karam Param Harinama Padam Devam Mavaduta Shiromanim Krishnaya Vasudevaya Devaki Nandanaya Chananda Gopakumaraya Govindaya Namonama Nilachala Nivasaya Nityaya Paramatmane Alabhadrasabhadrabhyam Jagannathaya Te Namaha Taptakanshana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vishabhanu Suti Devi Pranamami Paripriye Prindaye Tulsi Devaye Priyaye Keshava Sita Krishna Bhakti Padidevi Satyavachai Namonama Vancha Kopatu Bishakurpa Sindhi Vija Patitanam Pavani Bhu Vaishnavi Bhu Namonamaha Srila Prabhupada has written a very wonderful purport here. You can analyze uh, sentence by sentence. First of all, he's, he's describing 
exactly what's going on from a material, you can say mechanical point of view. Everyone's working with hands and legs and other senses to achieve a certain goal. Our body is a machine. Krishna calls it a yantra. Yantra rudhani mayaya. There's muscles and tendons and blood vessels and nerves and cartilage and bones. As he describes here, it's a very elaborate, very complicated arrangement. Giving the living being facility to work in this world, to manipulate matter. Krishna describes in Bhagavad Gita, this material world means earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intellect, and ego. Above all that, apariyamitastanyam is the soul proper. And what is the soul doing? What, what are we doing in this world? We're manipulating those material elements with this body made of material elements that's taken the form of muscle, bone, blood, nerves, etc. And why are we working? We're trying to achieve a certain goal. And what is that goal? <laughs> Sense gratification. Prabhupada calls it here, concocted idea. And in the words of Lord Krishna, he says, Manogatan, Atmaneva Manatushta, Sita Pragyasta We should be six Sita Pragya, but instead, we're working under the direction of the mind, Manogatan, which is dictating why don't you enjoy? And how do we enjoy? How does how does that mental uh, dictation find fruition? In the senses. Mind is the center of all the senses. If we want to enjoy food, the mind starts thinking, I want to enjoy some delicious food. Bani, puri, pizza, pakora. So I say, yes, I, where do we, how, how is that desire fulfilled? Through the taste the tongue and the sensation of taste, of sweet and salty and bitter and pungent. The mind's desire is satisfied through the senses. All the different senses are grouped about the mind. And this is concocted because what does the soul, our self, the jivatma, have to do with a tongue or a belly or a genital? And nothing at all. We have nothing whatsoever to do with matter, with dead. This body is actually dead. We think, well, someday I have to die. But the body is actually dead. Just like our fingernail. Fingernail is dead matter. You cut your fingernail, you don't feel pain. You just cut your fingernails, they grow, and you cut. But we think I'm alive because our body experiences all these different sensations of form, sound, taste, aroma, and touch. I'm alive because I'm experiencing those things. But the body is actually dead. It's dead, dull matter. And until we experience that, we will spend our life chasing the objects of the senses to experience different tastes and smells and uh, touch sensations. And in this way, we waste our life, concoct an idea of what is the goal of life, sense gratification. But Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita, Yehi sansparsa jaboga dukkha yone evate ajantavanta konteyanate shuramate buddha. He says, an intelligent person doesn't take pleasure in the sunsparse bogue, bringing our senses in contact with our objects, bringing our eyes in contact with form, bringing our ears in contact with sound, our tongue in contact with taste, our nose in contact with aroma, 
our skin in contact with touch, trying to enjoy the material world. He says, this is the cause of our suffering, dukkha yonaya evate. Furthermore, that type of activity has its beginning and its end. Sansparsh bhoga, material sense gratification, always has its beginning and its end. Therefore, it's a cause of frustration because we want to enjoy perpetually and we cannot. Every sensual activity has its beginning and its end. For example, if you start thinking, I want to eat Ras Malai, delicious, sweet, tasty Ras Malai with little Elaichi, a little Kapoor, and we, I have to taste this delicious food. I, I must taste this food. And you eat. Eat one, two, three, four, then bus, I'm finished. No more. I can't eat more. What was the experience? You enjoyed for a few moments mental concoction, manogatan. Now I am enjoying, but what is actually going on? What is the actual situation? A part of your tongue, the tongue is actually divided in different areas. One part of your tongue tastes salty, one tastes pungent, one tastes sweet. So the sweet taste buds on your tongue are registering a sensation in your brain. Now you are tasting sweet food. Oh, I am enjoying. But are you really? What is happening? The sugar in the rasmalai is stimulating the nerves in your tongue and it's registering in your brain as sweet taste and you think, I am happy. But you, the soul, are completely aloof from the whole experience. This is why it's called concocted idea, monogatan. And in this way, people waste their life. But this is actually the cause of our distress, dukkha yone evate, because we want to enjoy perpetually, forever. And we cannot. You eat, you enjoy, and it's over. Ajantavanta konteya, o konteya, Krishna is telling Arjuna, this activity of sensual happiness has its beginning, and it has its end. So, nate shu ramate buddha, an intelligent person doesn't take part in that type of pleasure. That doesn't mean that we deny all sensual activities. We have to eat, we have to sleep, we have to live in this world using our senses. And, and that is the definition of bhakti. Sarvupadi vinirmuktam tatparatvena nirmalam vishikena vishikesha sevanam bhakti uchate. Bhakti means vishikena vishikesha sevanam using our vishik, our senses that are previously mentioned here, our working senses and our knowledge-gathering senses, karmendriyas and jnanendriyas, five in each category, using our ten senses in the service of the Lord, giving up all sarva upadis, giving up upadis and engaging our senses in the service of the Lord is the very definition, definition of bhakti. First thing required, sarva, giving up upadis, sarva upadi, vinir muktam, we have to give up material designations. I am tall, short, skinny, fat, strong, weak, black, white, yellow, brown, tall, short, all these different material designations. We look in the mirror and we say, that's me. It's not you. It's a reflection of your face. It's a reflection of your skin and musculature that's stretched over a bone that's called a skull. And we say, oh, that's me. It's not you. But we think in that way because we're conditioned souls. So bhakti begins with this point. 
Sarvupadi Vinirmuktam Tatparatvena Nirmala. Nirmala means to become from all, free from all impurity. Number one impurity in our life is thinking, I am this body. Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's first instruction, he gave eight, eight verses. Siksha Ashtakam. Siksha Ashtakam. His first instruction is Chaito Darpanamarjanam. Free yourself from misconception. Cleanse the consciousness. Cleanse your Chaita, your heart, your mind. And the, and the ma- major obstacle that we all face is to become free from the bodily conception of life. Thinking, I am this collection of muscles and bones and skin and hair. This <laughs> is amazing power of Krishna's Maya to make us identify with something that has absolutely no relation with the self or Atma. So this is concocted idea, and Prabhupada's giving very beautiful explanation here that as long as we want to try and enjoy sense objects, we're disobeying the Supreme Lord, and we're put into material conditions. And we try and improve our situation in a concocted way. In other words, no one likes to be cold. No one likes to be wet. No one likes to be hungry. So we build a house. We work hard. We collect money. And I want to build a house and be comfortable and eat nice food. So we work hard to protect our body, to feed our body, to enjoy life, to be comfortable in this world, install an AC for the hot summer, install a heater for the cold winter, and keep your body very comfortable. Okay, nothing wrong. But if a person thinks that's the goal of life, then he's living in illusion. Devotees should also live comfortable life. We're not, there's no value in empty renunciation, uh, a pointless renunciation, renunciation for renunciation's sake, like the jnanis or the yogis. What will they get from that? Some, some yoga city? merging in the impersonal absolute where they have to fall. They don't take shelter of Krishna. So what is the, what is the value of the Krishna sadhana? Extreme austerity for, for merging and then falling back into the material world. It's all pointless. It's zero. It's nothing. Useless. The body should live comfortable life. Not luxurious life, but comfortable life and maintain our bodily situation and go on in Krishna Bhakti. Prabhupada gave us simple austerities, four rules, no illicit sex, no gambling, no intoxication, no meat eating. Simple austerity. And it's austere. In Kali Yuga, this is a big austerity. These simple things are big austerity in Kali Yuga because of the uh, contaminated environment, contaminated atmosphere of Kali Yuga because these things are promoted Constantly, we're barraged with messages to engage in these sinful activities. So it's difficult in Kali Yuga. But the result of that simple austerity is that we come closer to Krishna. And he comes, Prabhupada says, here he comes personally, himself, to instruct us, the bewildered living entity. Bewildering, bewildered living entity means you and me, who still identify with the material world, think that we can stay here and be happy forever. And forget about Krishna. Material life basically means forgetting about Krishna. If we, if we want to define material life, what is it? It means forgetting about Krishna and focusing on our body, satisfying the senses, and satisfying the mind. 
trying to get respect, appreciation, love, all of these uh, emotional experiences that gratify our mind, and gross uh, experiences to gratify our material senses. So this is all concocted idea, useless. It can't help us, because Prabhupada explains in the purport, we're struggling in the ocean. We're struggling in the ocean of material existence. Bhavambudi. Bhavambudi means the ocean of what? Of birth and death. We're struggling in that ocean. Prabhupada says elsewhere that no matter how expert a swimmer one may be, if he's cast into the ocean, in due course of time, he will drown. He may swim for an hour, two hours. He may swim for 24 hours. He may swim for two days. But in due course of time, he will drown because he's cast into an ocean of material existence. He's cast into an ocean, and we're cast into the ocean of material existence. So without the shelter of Guru and Krishna, without the mercy of Guru and Krishna, we will continually drown in birth and death. The ocean, Bhava Ambudi. Bhava means birth and death. And Ambudi, this ocean, will, from being born as a Brahmin, being born as a, as a dog, being born as a worm, being war, born as a demigod, over and over again, the samsara doing the same thing, basically the same thing, trying to enjoy and being frustrated, dying and taking birth again, over and over again. So we sing in the morning, every morning, samsara dhava nalalida loka tanaya karuna gana ganatvam praptasya kalya gunarna vasya he takes shelter of the lotus seat of Krishna's representative, Sri Guru, because he's extinguishing the blazing fire of material existence, which means Bhavambudi, repeated birth and death. It's, the, the analogy is very, very nice, that the spiritual master is delivering the message of Krishna, who is the ocean of mercy. So as the cloud forms by the interaction of the ocean and the sun, the sun evaporates water from the ocean and makes a cloud. And the cloud delivers that water to the parched land and nourishes all types of plants in human society, gives needed rainfall. But the cloud isn't the source of water. The ocean is the source of water. And the, the sun is evaporating and making the cloud. So the spiritual master is simply delivering the message from the ocean of mercy, Lord Krishna. So we worship him as the uh, supreme personality of servitor God, Godhead, Sankshad Dharitvena Samasta Shastra, Uptastata Bhavyata Eva Sadhvi. All Shastras and Sadhus say, Guru. Just a moment. Are you with me still? A phone came, a call came in. Are you born? Yes, Maharaj. Okay, just checking a phone call came. Mm -hmm. So Shri Guru is delivering the mercy from the ocean of mercy, Krishna. Uh -huh. He's delivering mercy from the ocean of mercy, Krishna. I watched this actually, and Prabhupada points out that the forest fire of materialized sansara dhava means the forest fire is not. Shastra, Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur is not describing the material world. So, I just understand. I'm on the phone. 
is not describing the material world as a happy place. He's describing it as a forest, a burning, the burning fire of material existence. And if the forest is on fire, can you just grab a bucket of water and toss it on the forest? You'll never extinguish the fire with a bucket of water. Even one time I was serving in a Gurukula, our Iskan Gurukula, that has sent has since shut down in uh, Northern California, Three Rivers, California. And on, on the other side of the canyon, a forest fire uh, came up by lightning or whatever the cause was. And there's no way to put it out. They were, they were coming with helicopters and pulling huge buckets of water from the river and dumping river water on the fire. It still burned. And they came with a big, huge plane and dumped chemical fire retardant on the forest fire. It still burned. They couldn't put it out. But when the rain comes, the rain immediately extinguishes the blazing forest fire. So this is a very beautiful example. The spiritual master is delivering the rain, the, the rain of mercy that is, has its origin in the ocean of mercy to extinguish the blazing fire of material existence. And that is the process of becoming free from the soul problem. Now, in the, in the purport, Srila Prabhupada is quoting a beautiful shloka from Sikshastikam, verse 5, Ayi nanda tanu jikinkaram patitamam bishame bhavam budo kripaya tavapada pankaja stita duli saddisham vichintaya So, bhavam budo, we fall into this ocean of nescience. Nescience means bhava ambuddha, bhava ambudi, the ocean of birth and death. And we've fallen here. There's no one to blame. Sometimes, no one to blame beside ourselves. Sometimes people want to blame God, even devotees. But why has this happened to me, Krishna? Don't you? I'm your devotee, Krishna. Why has? Why did did my car get wrecked? Why did my business fail? Fail? Why was there a death in my family? Why has this unhappy situation come to me? I'm supposed to be happy in the material world. But it's not a happy material world. And this is our, uh, this is our illusion. This is one of the major illusions in life. I'll tell you a personal story. Just a month ago, we had a wonderful devotee family come stay with us here in Mayapur. We knew them from uh, attending Bhakti Viksha group at ISKCON in Richmond, Virginia. So this devotee, uh, Pratik Prabhu and his wife and beautiful children. They're very serious devotees. They're recently accepted for initiation by His Holiness Giriraj Maharaj. They, didn't, they hadn't actually undergone formal ceremony and everything and taken vows and like that. But they were here in India, spent two weeks in Vrindavan, came here to Mayapur, spent a week with us here in Mayapur, went on Parikram, had a happy time, Prasadam, Kirtan, Haribol, Went back to America, came, went to work, and in his office, collapsed on the floor with a brain hemorrhage. Presently, as we are listening and talking on this venue, he's clinging for life in a hospital bed somewhere in Virginia, unable to move, paralyzed by brain hemorrhage. This is the material world. Please say a prayer for this devotee, Pratik Kohli, and his eight-year-old daughter and six-year-old son and his wife. 
Is this what they expected in life? Does anyone ever expect any disaster to come to us in life? But it comes unavoidably. We, we can hope nothing as severe as this. But some trouble must come to each of us according to our karma. And shall we blame Krishna? Is it his fault we came to the material world? Sometimes people do. Sometimes even devotees. Why is Krishna treating me like this? The material world is meant to bring us to the stage of complete frustration with material life that let me out of here. No, I don't want to be born again. I want to return to God. So material nature is a great teacher. It's pushing us towards Krishna. There's, there's a, a reason behind the creation of the material world. If it was a nice place where there's no suffering, there's no birth, there's no old age, no death, no wars, no pestilence, no anger, no envy, no fear, no suffering, we'd stay here forever, separated from Krishna. Krishna wants us to come back. So you can stay separate from me. You can go enjoy by yourself, but not for very long. And that enjoyment also comes with the duality of suffering also. Krishna says in Gita, Dvandva Mohena Bharata, what is the nature of this world? It's a dual nature. Because we want to enjoy, we're obliged to suffer also. You cannot avoid it. The material world is created in this way. There's no way out except, as Prabhupada said, quoted, Sarva Dharmam Purichaja. Mamekam Sharanam. Take shelter, take exclusive. Mamekam. Take exclusive shelter of Krishna. That's the only way out of this whole problem. To become free from birth and death. So who's to blame? Why have we fallen into Bhavambodho? We've fallen here? Because we decided, we wanted to be separate from Krishna. We can't blame Krishna. Sometimes people ask, if they say, if there's a God, why do little kids get hit by cars? Why is there disease and pandemic? Why is there war? Why is there such intense suffering in this world? God should make the world a place of happiness and pleasure and, and joy. But it's not. And this is the reason. We're meant to be with Him. We can't live in this material world and be happy. So, the example is there. If someone wants to blame God, this is misunderstanding. For example, let's say you rob a bank. You decide, I need money. You're walking by a bank. You walk into the bank and it's a stick-up. Give me the money. And you get arrested. You go to trial. You're found guilty. And you're standing in front of the judge. And the judge says, sir, we found you guilty of robbery. And the sentence is 15 years in prison. Is it the judge's fault that you just got sentenced to 15 years in prison? Krishna. So why should we blame Krishna? Rather, we should think never again, never again do I want to accept birth and death. So we should take shelter of the holy name and not be excessively concerned about the material miseries that afflict us. If we become obs just obsessed with material miseries, then how will we practice Krishna consciousness? We're here because the result of our previous activities. 
So there's only one way to cross that ocean, and that is to take shelter of the process that Krishna has given us, and that is tadvidhi pranipatena pariprasnena sevaya ubhidikshanti te jnanam jnanina stattvadarshan. This is the way out, Krishna's formula for leaving the material world. Taking shelter, vande guru shri charanaravindam. Taking shelter of the lotus feet of his representative, Sri Guru. Karma, jnana, yoga, tapasya, dhan, homa, all these different processes that people accept are described to be like seaweed floating in the ocean. Has anyone ever crossed the ocean of nescience by grasping onto paltry seaweed, pieces of seaweed? Or Prabhupada would sometimes say, trying to cross the ocean by hanging on to the tail of a dog. It's impossible. There's only one way to get out, and that is to hold on to the lotus feet of Sri Guru. Some, some people try to swim across that ocean, but how can, they, how can they cross the ocean holding on to these paltry weeds, these tiny weeds? That for some, how, how can you get support? You'll only sink and drown. It's a dead weight. There's no other hope for safety, for deliverance, and taking shelter of Sri Guru. So the, and the sturdy vessel, Bhagavatam describes, that the, the boat to cross the ocean is the human form of life. The ocean is this bhavambudi, birth and death, suffering in the material world. The boat to cross the ocean is the human form of life. The favorable winds are the Vedas, the instructions of Veda. Because without that, what is there... There, there is no hope. Vashastra Vedamutshuja Vartate Kama Karata Nasa Siddhim Avapnuti Nasukam Napuramgatim Bhagavad Gita says, if we reject Shastra Vidhi, the merciful instruction of Shastra that's meant to give us, uh, to drive us across this ocean, to teach us how to become free from this birth of, this ocean of birth and death, then Nasa Siddhim You'll not become perfect. Nasukam, you'll never become happy. Naparamgatim, you'll never go back to Godhead. We're dependent on Shastravidhi. But Shastravidhi isn't enough. As the boat and the wind and the sail is not enough to cross the ocean, there has to be a rudder to give direction. And that is Sri Guru. So a combination of the, of the favorable situation of human form of life, good instruction from Veda, and good direction from Sri Guru, we can cross this ocean of material existence. And without that, what is, this, what is our hope? There is no hope. We'll simply be born again, over and over and over again. This is the nature of the material world. So this is a very instructive shloka. And we should understand the, what Lord is telling us, that I've fallen in this world. And I'm begging, because devotee, we're beggars, frankly. We're begging for mercy of the Lord and devotees. That I've fallen, patitamam bishame. And, and Lord's describing the material world. He's not saying, it's a place of love and happiness and joy and satisfaction, compassion, chocolates and roses and walks in the rain and hugs and kisses. No, he's saying bishame. It's poisonous. It's a horrible, it's a horrible world. And we've come here. So if we really understand that, if we really understand that someday I may be Mr. Prateen Prabhu, 
that may be me has some horrible disaster come to me. Stay a prayer for him. He's such wonderful devotee. And he's hanging on to his life. But that may be my life also. Is there any guarantee? There's no guarantee. You get in your car, you're driving to work, bam! Serious accident. This is the nature of the material world. We don't get it. We just don't get it. This is the nature of the material. We're trying to be happy in a place where we're not meant to be happy. We're trying to live in a place where we're not meant to live. Krishna calls this world Dukalayam, Ashashvatam. It's a place of suffering. We want to make it Sukalayam. I want to be happy here. Shashvatam, I want to live here. For, we cannot. This is the law of material nature. We cannot surmount the laws of material nature. We have no power to surmount the laws of material nature. We have power to surrender. Therefore we pray. Vande Guroshi Charanaravan that we bow down to the lotus feet of a spiritual master and beg to be engaged in his service. This is the solution to our problems. But only fortunate person is able to accept that. Most fortunate person. And devotee is the most fortunate person. We, we read in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Mm. Mm. I'm forgetting the shloka. Anyway, after many births and deaths, uh, anyway, old, <laughs> old age has struck again. Uh, anyway, who is a fortunate person? Who's Bhagavanji Guru Krishna Prasadi Pai Bhakti Lata Bij? Who's taken shelter of spiritual master and the process of bhakti? He gets to see the devotional service. Brahmanda Brahmite Konya Bhagavanji Guru Krishna Prasadi Pai Bhakti Lata Bij. Who is a fortunate person? Someone who has great wealth, someone who has great learning, good birth. No, these things are described by Kun Kunti uh, as Madha. They are intoxicating. They intoxicate us. Krishna is the property of the materially impoverished person. Tvamakinchana Gocharam. He's a property of the materially impoverished person, not of the wealthy, proud person. Wealth is not an obstacle if we use it for Krishna. Good birth is not an obstacle. Learning is not an obstacle. If everything is used for Krishna. But typically, Madha, Kunti Maharani says that these things intoxicate a person. Janmai Swarja Shuta Shibir Edamana Madha Puman Naivar Hatyavi Dhatum Vai Tvamakinshana Gocharam. Says that you are the property of the materially impoverished person who has no other shelter but you. Krishna says in Gita, Bogai Swarja Prasaktanam Tayaha Paritachetasam. No samadhi, no, no ability to focus on Krishna, to make progress in spiritual life if you're overwhelmed by bhoga and aiswarja, material sense gratification and opulence. We can accept opulence, we can accept anything in Krishna's service. Look, look at our Ambarish Prabhu, multi-millionaire. Well, what is he doing? He's building the largest most beautiful Vedic temple on the planet. This is proper use of wealth. 
we don't we're not afraid of money because we know what to do with it boga and aswarja can be used in Christian service unlimitedly but if we think it's my money I me mine we're fixed on that mantra I me mine I me mine I me mine then then samadho navidiyate we'll never be able to make progress in spiritual life so we have to make progress in this way by taking shelter of lotus feet of guru and becoming free from the tendency to concoct a plan for material happiness this is what Prabhupada is mentioning the purport this is all concoction we have to be fixed in our swarup swarup means our eternal nature and until we're fully situated in our swarup a, a resident a residue of our anartas cling in our heart which makes the ultimate perfection and goal it remains hidden by these impurities we have to take shelter of Sambandhagyan knowing what is our situation having realization what is our situation and make progress by the process given to us by our acharyas which will make us eligible to chant the holy name because without that what is what is left for us without the holy name of Krishna what is left for us because this is the instruction of Guru Guru is not just the enjoyer of the assets of the disciple he's giving something also and what is he giving holy name now I wanted to read something in this regard I'm working up to that I read this beautiful beautiful passage written by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur it's a few paragraphs uh, listen carefully it's it's very very sublime information Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur wrote and he's talking about what is the process of chanting the pure holy name and how we get it how we get the holy name how we chant the pure name and what it is he writes my heart is just like a desert hot with the rays of the Sun this is my internal mental condition the desire for mortal things cannot satisfy me because by nature they are death producing and not one or two but thousands of such death producing desires have taken shelter in my mind so my subconscious region is always burning this is my condition just see Bhakti Thakur is saying like who is he saying like that he's speaking like this for us this is my it's not his condition but he's speaking like this this is my condition but somehow by the grace of the sadhu and guru the holy name of Krishna with its infinite prospect has entered to the holes of my ears and reached the plane of my heart and there was some peculiar hope with infinite auspicious possibilities it touched my heart with a new kind of nectar new hope is aroused is aroused by that sound then by force it comes from the heart towards the tongue not that by the endeavor of my tongue I am producing that sound no what came from the heart of a saint through my ear entered my heart and that forcibly appeared on my tongue and began to dance that is the holy name proper it descends from above it cannot be produced by the material tongue its source is above and through the agent of the absolute it comes to the ear to the heart 
From the heart it gathers some sympathy and then the holy name of Krishna forcibly appears upon the tongue and begins to dance. With great force it comes to the end of the tongue and that sweet sound begins its dancing. The real effects of the divine name have been described here. If it is a real and living name, the voice will be choked up. There will be shivering in the body and the legs will be unable to stand. Sometimes tears will flow in a current on the body and one's hairs will stand on end. Sometimes changes of color will be found in the body and we will be unable to find any trace of mind or consciousness. Pretty amazing description. Hmm? Very amazing description. And he makes some very important points. How do we get the holy name? How does it come to us? By the grace of the sadhu and guru. In other words, we have to be initiated. Shastra says that one can become liberated just by chanting the holy name, even without initiation. It's called Puraschārana, preliminary activities of devotional life. Like Śrīla Prabhupāda set the standard of a minimum six-month waiting period to see if the disciple is serious and the disciple should see if the guru is qualified. And when there's a mutual agreement, first initiation can take place. This is called Purascharana, preliminary, preliminary qualification for initiation. But Shastra explains that there's no necessity. One can become liberated just by chanting the holy name, even without initiation. But if we want the holy name proper, if we want what's described here by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, if, if, if we want our heart to be flooded with love, then by the grace of sadhu and guru, the holy name enters our ears and reaches the plane of our heart. We have to hear from a pure devotee. We have to hear that sound from a pure devotee. And that is first initiation. And then he describes that it's not by the endeavor of my tongue I am producing that sound. No. The holy name is not a, a combination of syllables. I'm speaking different combinations of syllables, but the holy name of Krishna is Krishna himself. Nama chintamini Krishna's chaitanya rasa vigraha purnashudho nitya mukto binatam nama namino name and named are the same. The sound Krishna and Krishna the person are the same. In fact, the holy name of Krishna is more merciful than the person Krishna because the holy name of Krishna can be spoken in any while you're bathing, while you're driving, while you're cooking, you can you can be with Krishna by by the medium through the medium of sound vibration. Krishna is so merciful; he makes himself so available. But raga. We have no raga. We have no feeling for Krishna. But that sound how 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 does the shudhanam come? Not by the endeavor of our tongue that we're producing that sound. That Krishna himself comes through the heart of a saint, through my ear, enters our heart, and forcibly appears on our tongue. So that is the holy name proper. And what is the effect of that? It's described here. The voice will be choked up, shivering of the body, the legs will not be able to stand. Nayanam galada shudaraya vadanam gadgadarudaya gira pulakani chitambapukkara tavanama grahane bhavishyati so we, Lord Chaitanya taught us to pray for this thing. When will that day come? When will that day come? We should cry out in pain. I've, I've fallen into this hole 
material world, a poisonous vishame bhavambudo, material life, a poisonous material life, we should cry out in pain, I've fallen. This is the most inauspicious thing to accept the material body, to fall into the material world. We should be crying in pain, in separation from Krishna Govinda Virahename. We should, we should feel in our heart of this thing, we should cry. My worshipable God-brother, Shishima Gorgovindamaj, used to say, I have opened a crying school where how to learn how to cry for Krishna. Because this is the price for prema. To cry for Krishna's sake. To want Krishna more than you want your next breath. Then we can have Krishna. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is chanting, Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago, Gora Chandrabole, Gotanida Jaya Pisha Chirakole. But how long will you sleep on this lap of the witch called Maya? And we should feel like that. How long? How long do I have to stay in this material world? Dragged by the modes of material nature, tortured by the influence of sattva, rajas, and tamas. How long? How long? So, Prabhupada alludes to a beautiful verse in the purport also. Uh, a beautiful prayer. Very instructive prayer given by uh, Srila Prabhupada Saraswati Thakur. He says, Sansara dukkha jalado patitasya kama krodari nakramakare kavali kritasya dravasana nigaditasya nirashrayasya chaitanya chandramamadeya padavalambam. He prays that I've fallen in this world. His, his parallel meaning, this ayinanda tanuja king patitamam vishame. So he's saying, Sansara dukkha jalado, I've fallen into this ocean of birth and death, sansara means birth and death. And patitasya kama, I've fallen here. And kama kroda, the shark and alligators, crocodiles in that ocean, the crocodiles of kama and kroda and loba are devouring me one mouthful at a time. <laughs> He's giving a very beautiful analogy. The calm, lust, greed and anger, they're devouring me one mouthful at a time. I'm, tr I'm struggling in the ocean of material life. I'm being devoured by these crocodiles. <laughs> Excuse me. And I have no shelter. So what is the only shelter? Chaitanya Chandra. The lotus feet of Lord Chaitanya. So he's praying in this way. And we should pray like that. Cry out, please give me shelter. I'm helpless. I'm drowning in this ocean of material life. And without your help, without your merciful glance, without pulling me out, I'll stay here forever. So we should feel like this, and this is a qualification to get Krishna's mercy. But we should understand this uh, shloka very carefully. It's very instructive. Where in the world, in any religious system, do we find such an amazing description of reality? Five senses, five working senses, the mind, the intelligence, the soul. A complete description. This is jnana. And this is very helpful for us also in, in, in Krishna Bhakti. Jnana is like a knife. Jnana cuts back our illusion and lets us see things as they are. Jnana cannot give you bhakti. But jnana allows us a vision of what has happened to us and what, how the material world works, what is the soul, what are the senses? 
what is Gyan, what is Prakriti, what is Pradhan, what is Atma, what is Paramatma, what is Bhagavan. Understanding how everything is working, the laws of material nature, how it works, what is the, what is the construct and the creation of God. So it's very helpful. But Jnana cannot give you bhakti. An example is that if you want to eat a fruit, you take a knife and you peel the fruit and eat it, but you don't eat the knife. You eat the fruit, but the knife is instrumental in the process of eating the fruit. So Jnana is like that. Jnana is very helpful to us. We say Raja Vidya, Raja Guyam. This Raja Vidya, topmost knowledge, means that Jnana which brings us closer to Krishna. We want that. But jnana alone is not the goal. Bahunam janmanamante jnana maam prabhadyate, Krishna says, after many births and deaths, one who is actually jnanavan, who knows things as they are, who realizes jnana, who knows what it is, what does he do? He surrenders to Krishna. Bahunam janmanamante maam prabhadyate, maam prabhadyate means he surrenders to me. So jnana is very useful. It brings us to surrender. But only bhakti creates bhakti. It's not created by karma, by yoga, by tapasya. None of these things can create bhakti. Only bhakti creates bhakti. Only mercy comes to us by grace. Bhakti comes from the heart of a bhakta, actually. Bhakti, bhakti comes from the heart of a bhakta. To hear from a bhakta, to serve a bhakta. Then we qualify ourselves. Bhakti Devi becomes kind and appears in our life also. And we find ourselves spontaneously engaged, happily engaged in Krishna's service by the mercy of Bhakti Devi. So we want that, and this solves the whole problem of being dragged, being, as Prabhupada writes here, living in this concocted world of ideas, trying to achieve a certain goal according to concocted ideas. So we reject concocted ideas. We take the real ideas we see here in Bhagavatam, that describe our life. This Bhagavatam is about us. It's about you. It's about me. We have these five senses. Jnanendriyas, Karmendriyas. This is our body. This is about our situation. This is about reality. And if we understand it, we become very enthusiastic in Krishna Bhakti. We become very grateful about our, our life that we've been blessed to have. The rare, rarest achievement to have this bhakti lakta beach. Guru Krishna Prasadi Pai. Prasad means mercy, favor. Each of us has been favored by the Lord to have this wonderful life of Krishna Bhakti. This wonderful opportunity that in this lifetime we can leave this material world. Krishna is saying, you can come back to me and never come back. This is the highest perfection and Bhagavatam is the in the merciful incarnation of Krishna in words, in paper and ink, to help us achieve that. So every day we should read something from Bhagavatam, try and apply it in our life, be happy, and at the end, go back to Krishna. Such a simple thing. Bhakti is actually very simple. We make it complicated, but it's actually a very simple thing. So I'll read the translation once again. Above the five senses of perception, the five working senses, and the five objects of the senses is the mind, which is the 16th element. Above the mind is the 17th element, the soul, the living being himself, who in cooperation with the other 16 enjoys the material world alone. 
the living being enjoys three kinds of situations, namely happy, distressful, and mixed. So thank you for the opportunity to speak to you today. Does anyone have any question or comment or correction? Hare Krishna Prabhuji, thank you so much for your wonderful class Prabhu. Uh, I request all the devotees, if they have any questions or queries, please go ahead and ask. Hare Krishna Prabhuji, Dandatuna, all best of your Prabhupada. Very nice class Prabhuji, as, as usual, your classes are so uh, deep and so rich with spiritual uh, reference and your uh, deep sadhana. Uh, and uh, inspires us and uh, and uh, gives us uh, the Lord's mercy and uh, we are able to uh, continue so steadfastly in our uh, sadhana ourselves. Uh, I have one question for, uh, regarding this uh, statement. Okay, I'm having a hard time hearing you, Pramaji. I'm having a hard time understanding you. Well, you had one question. You had one question. Yeah, question is uh, the Sankhya philosophy says there are 26 elements in total, but here we are enumerating uh, 17. So the remaining would be uh, Prakriti or Radha, uh, uh, the unmanifested. That is the that is the Pradhan, right? The uh, what are Pradhan the remaining? Is uh, Go ahead. So what? What are the remaining nine elements? Soul is captured here. Okay, super soul is the one we have to add. So we make it twenty-six. So super soul make it makes it eighteen. Then we have Pradhan possibly. Are you you're asking what is Pradhan? Is that your question? I I am asking what are the remaining nine elements in the Sankhya to make it twenty six? Sankhya has. I'm sorry, seven, right? Yeah, twenty seven counting the soul. I think it actually depends on what system. But I'm having a hard time understanding you, Prabhu. I'm sorry. There's some bad connection between us. Is is, is oh, there's okay. someone else? Can someone else that's hearing him better than I'm hearing explain the question to me? Hare Krishna, Partha Prabhu. Uh, Prabhuji, sorry to interrupt. Uh, Partha Prabhu, your voice is too low today. So maybe that is the reason why Prabhuji is unable to hear. So if you can please speak loudly, it will be really great. Thank you, Prabhuji. I, I am asking, uh, what are the nine more elements above this? Beyond these 17 elements, to make it 26 or 27, that counts for the uh, um, um, the, the Sankhya philosophy, as enumerated by um, the Kapilamuni. Okay, so you're saying we're, we're talking here about 17, then you're asking about the other nine. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, Prabhuji, that is correct. Okay, so we've got here five senses, five working senses, five objects of senses. I'd have to look it up, Prabhu. I don't know off the top of my head. It's a good question. I'm sorry I don't know the answer to that. I'd have to look it up. I th uh, actually, 
Five of them are going to be Earth, water, this verse I quoted, Bhumira Panalog, Vayu, Kamano, Budir, Evacha, Ahankara, Itiyami, Bina, Prakriti, Ashta. Eight of them are going to be this. This is the answer, actually. Eight of them are going to be the material elements. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intellect, and ego. Of course, mind is already mentioned. Anyway, it's, they, these play into this uh, description here. I don't know off the top of my head. But this yeah, is the, the, the description of the material elements also play into the description of the f sum total of creation and the interaction between material elements and the subtle material elements. Mind, man, buddhi, and hunk are subtle elements. Gross elements means earth, water, fire, ether. So, and then above that, subtle elements, but above that, the soul proper, the atma. I think this is described more in third canto, in third canto of Bhagavatam, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't give you a better answer, Prabhu. No, no, that uh, I think I got it from. Any other question? Thank you again for the opportunity to speak to you. Please have a wonderful rest of the day. Have a blissful Gaur Purnima. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Prabhuji. Yes. All glories to Prabhupada Guru Mahal. Sorry, speaking on the news. Prabhuji, like this, you know, you told about the chanting. It was really wonderful. And... Because often uh, I had heard this that when, uh, you know, it is not we actually chanting, it is Krishna ch uh, dancing on our tongue. So you gave uh, this description so wonderfully from, uh, I forgot whom, Bhakti Vinod Thakurji's? Yes, Bhakti Vinod Thakur. Mm -hmm. Okay, you said that uh, basically when we hear the holy name, the holy name touches our heart and then from our heart, you know, we... Uh, make connections to our mind and other senses and then when we chant uh, you know because we are attracted to the holy name of the Lord so of course the attraction is not that uh, deep and uh, sound that you know we have those symptoms like you also mentioned but uh, definitely uh, uh, like <clears throat> I just wanted to uh, uh, see if my understanding is perfectly right like uh, so we are not chanting it is because our heart is uh, uh, liking, loving, whatever word we can use <laughs> for uh, the holy name. So that holy name is, uh, you know, uh, coming on the tongue this way. So can you explain very, very deep? Uh, uh, I wanted to have some more understanding on this because, uh, you know, we are not the doer of anything in this world, basically. So uh, we are completely dependent on Krishna. And uh, the very fact that we are chanting also is... Uh, you know, it's because our heart is somehow liking the holy name, but we don't have the complete taste also yet. So, if some more elaboration on this based on Bhakti Vinod Thakurji's, uh, it'll be very nice if you can explain. Very interesting to me, Prabhuji. Then this is happening by Krishna's mercy. Krishna is his name. And Krishna manifests in our heart through the medium of the ear. It comes to our ear, takes shelter in our heart, and comes from our heart to our tongue. And sometimes 
you can experience if you're chanting very attentively, you're focused, and you can experience that the sound is different from what my tongue is doing. The sound is Krishna. This is Krishna. My tongue isn't exactly making that noun, that, that sound. This is the holy name proper. And, when, and, and the proof is, Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains, that the shivering in the body, unable to stand, tears coming. This is his experience. And, but Bodhishyati, we have to wait for that. You can't imitate that. You can't force it. You can't make it happen because holy name, Prabhupada describes him, or actually Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur describes him as a transcendental autocrat. Autocrat means my way or the highway. Everything is, everyone has to follow without question autocratic rule of the Lord. He'll come when he wants to come, when he decides to come. It's up to him. And a devotee's prayer is, is it, is it pleasing to you? This is a beautiful prayer Bhaktivinoda makes. If it's pleasing to you to keep me in illusion, then let it be. But when will that day come when I have love for you? When will you give me your mercy? He said many, he went in this beautiful Gopinath prayer. He prays that many demons have achieved your lotus feet, but Bhaktivinoda remains in material existence. Such a moving prayer. He's crying out to Krishna that many demons have re- achieved you, but I, I can't get you. I'm so unfortunate. I'm so unhappy not to have a relationship, a tangible, solid, experiential relationship with you. I'm so unfortunate. And unless we feel like that, we can't get it. And to, to bring us to that stage, we have to chant Krishna's name with faith and devotion and beg. We have to ultimately, Srila uh, Gorgovinda Maharaj used to say, we have to cry for Krishna. Or one, one beautiful uh, lecture that uh, His Holiness uh, Jayapataka Maharaj gave many years ago. He said, you have to cry for Krishna. No, you have to cry to cry for Krishna. To cry, to cry, to cry for Krishna. To cry, to cry, to cry, to cry for Krishna. This is the, this is the system. When our Goranga Bolite Habe Pulaka Sharir When will that day come when I chant the, names, the Lord's name and Nayane Bhavinir when tears flow from my eyes the hairs of my body he's praying when will that day come like Mahaprabhu is praying Bhavishati in the future when will that day come the implication is that it will come the future that, that will come in the future but we have to intensely desire for it to happen we can't be you know easy going laid back lazy devotees it won't come you can spend many lifetimes in that mode of devotional life. We have to be extremely eager. Utsaha, akuti. We should be very eager to have that mercy from the Lord. Then it can come, but it's up to Him. It's up to Him. And when it comes, we experience Lord and His name, same. That is the direct experience. And when we experience that, then these ashtasatika bhavs will come standing, shivering in the body, crying, faltering of the voice, all these things will come. Bhavishati. So we have to be, ter- we have to be patient. Even what, some, what lifetime it may come, but it will come because we've embarked on this process and Krishna is pulling us back to him.
We're thinking by my sadhana, by my vow, by my observance of the rules, then I'll... No. We're, obs we're observing those things. We need to. But it's by Krishna's mercy. When, when he decides, the transcendental autocrat, Lord Krishna, Govinda, decides to give us his name, decides to bless us, to pull us closer to him. We wait for that day. Balishati. Is that helpful to you, Mataji? Yes, Prabhuji. And also, I was also desiring if you can uh, send that to us. The uh, I don't know whether you picked up from the middle of the reading or if there's some kind of a link, uh, you can send what you read. It's a whole, there's a whole, this is a section. This is about a third of the whole article. I can send it to you on WhatsApp. I, th I have your WhatsApp address. So I can send it and you can share it with other devotees. Yes, Prabhuji, please. If you I, have this, that, I have this, I have this part printed. Actually, I have okay. the whole, I can send you the whole thing. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you so much. I wanted to keep that with me. It was very, very precious what you read. And also, Prabhuji, like, uh, that means when we, <coughs> sorry for my throat. So when we, uh, like, for example, the, the people who we are uh, preaching to and we are asking them to chant, uh, it, uh, through this one, one answer also comes out that, that connection they have not made with the heart. You know, where Krishna is, is, is residing as a soul, super soul. So that connection they have not made. So that, uh, like, you know, sometimes we'll see devotees coming and, uh, you know, not, I mean, not devotees, other, other people coming. Loud kirtan is going on, but they will not even be moving their lips to, you know, do anything. They're just sitting there and, you know, like no expression on the face, no joy of devotees seeing them dance and all that. So that means somehow that connection is not there right now. Uh, right? The heart, the heart connection is not there, which will eventually one, make it yeah, One has to, well, first thing, Prabhupada explains his three types of japa. Manasik japa means your mouth is not moving, your mind is moving, your mind is chanting Hare Krishna. Upamsu means you're chanting very quietly to yourself, your mouth is moving and you're barely making noise. And vachik means you're chanting loudly. Now, Prabhupada said that one can do upamsu japaks quietly chanting, but he said the mouth and tongue must pronounce the words. Manasik japa is very, very difficult to actually do it successfully. Some people think they're doing manasik japa, they're moving the beams, but their mind is going here and there. Best process is to engage the maximum number of senses. When we chant japa, this is superior to meditation because we're engaging our senses. Sense of touch, we're moving the beads. Sense of hearing, we're making the sound, we're hearing the sound of Krishna's name. We're engaging our speech and tongue and chanting the name. So, the, and engaging our mind in hearing the name. The more senses we engage, the more absorbed we become in japa. The more, the easier it is to focus on the, on the mantra. So, this is the process. So, when someone's just sitting and moving their beads, mostly they're just spacing out, especially if they're young devotees. They should be instructed. Prabhupada said that one should not just make some hissing now, hissing sound. You know, kish, nish, 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 nish. One should audibly pronounce Hare Krishna, Hare Rama. And hear and chant. This is the beginning. And as our chanting and as our expertise in chanting progresses, beginning is just to hear. Prabhupada mentioned that. And the, the beautiful quote that was read before class. That for the beginning is just to hear. But from hearing, 
remembrance should also be there, remembering the beautiful form of Krishna, the mercy of Krishna, the power of Krishna, the creation of Krishna, Krishna's book, Krishna's temple, Krishna's kirtan, Krishna's deity, Krishna's prasadam, Krishna's devotees, all Krishna. Let our mind, let our mind wander in that field of activity, in that beautiful garden of Krishna consciousness, instead of allowing our mind to wander in all types of irrelevant material thoughts. We should bring our mind to Krishna. And this is a higher type of meditation when we're chanting Krishna's name. First thing, that you should simply hear. But hear what? We should hear Krishna and remember Krishna. Beautiful Sham Sundar, Radha Krishna, Srimati Radharani, and Lord Krishna. This is the proper meditation. Hare, Hara, and Krishna. Radha, and Krishna. And if we're not doing that, we're not actually coming to a higher stage of japa. Just, just chanting. If we're, our mouth is moving, Krishna, Krishna, but our mind is going maya, maya, this is, this is beginner's japa. This is not powerful japa. Powerful japa means your mind is with Krishna, your mouth is with Krishna, your hands are moving the beads, you're simply absorbed in Krishna. This is powerful japa. But that takes practice. It doesn't happen overnight. Anyway, I'll send the quote to you, Mataji. It's a very beautiful quote. You can read the whole thing. There's, there's several other paragraphs. Anything else? Yes, Prabhuji. Thank you so much. Uh, one more thing I want to mention about from the Ajamil story we are studying, and uh, you know, we uh, you have mentioned, and other uh, speakers or others have mentioned. Like, uh, you know, actually, we should be very thankful to the Vishnu Dutas because uh, this is just I'm sharing my realization, but please correct me uh, that, uh, like, although uh, Ajamil was not. Uh, you know, thinking that, uh, like, he was calling his son only. The consciousness was not, like, you know, he's uh, calling out to Krishna. Uh, so, but the thing is, it is them, the Vishnu Dutas who came, they are the one who actually made um, uh, us realize, and also him, uh, he also realized when he was seeing the struggle and talk going on between the Yamadutas and the, uh, the Vishnu Dutas. So, uh, like, uh, uh, they make us realize that uh, Krishna's name is non-different. So, is, the, is this a correct understanding? <coughs> and what is non-different? Like, the Vishnu Dutas are the one, they suddenly came and they said, like, you know, he's taking Krishna's name and uh, we don't care what activities he's done. So, uh, can we think of this as a correct understanding that the Vishnu Dutas actually made us realize that, you know, uh, when we say Krishna is non-different from his name, he was just taking the name like that, Ajamil. So, it is them only, it, when they came, only the realization came. Not, ex not exactly. Not exactly. Srila Chakravarti Thakur explains that because Ajamil, in his previous, in his previous, the previous to his fall, was a good Brahmin. He's born in Brahmin family and he's a worshipper of Narayan. In fact, when he uh, unfortunately ran into the Shruta Shudrani embracing in the woods he was there to pick flowers and articles for puja he is a pujari, he is a worshipper of Narayan he is a good devotee so Srila Vashana Chakravarti Thakur states that when he chanted he called for his son Narayan he remembered original Narayan Chaturbhuj Narayan, the Lord by singing his name he was calling for his son but he remembered Lord Narayan also. 
And by Lord's mercy, he named his son Narayan. So sin was never able to attach itself to him. Because he's constantly chanting without, just he's chanting, not Shudhanam, but he's not chanting offensively. He's calling his son Narayan. Time to get up. Narayan, go to bed. Narayan, did you eat breakfast? Narayan, time to go to school. Every day he's chanting Narayan, even though he's engaged in all types of sinful activities. This is the mercy of the Lord. He's protect. Krishna told Arjuna, declare it boldly, my devotee never perishes. Krishna can never forget a devotee who engages in his service. So although he fell down, married a prostitute, murdered, raped, stole, all these horrible things he did, practically there wasn't any sin that he didn't commit. Krishna still, in spite of all that, in spite of inconceivable sin, Narayan was always with him. Krishna never forgot. Narayan never forgot his service. This is an example of the mercy of Krishna. And he inspired a Jamil from within his heart, name your son Narayan. So he was constantly chanting Narayan. He was his favorite son. Out of all his children, Narayan was, the youngest was his favorite. And he was always chanting, every day he's chanting Narayan. So he wasn't thinking, I will commit sin and then chant Narayan and become free. He wasn't committing this Namapurad. He's simply calling his son, his tongue has touched Narayan. And he's become free. Ajnana dattavajnana uttama shloka namayat sankirtitam agam pungso dahedadho yatanala. Bhagavatam says in this situation that however one touches the holy name in knowledge, in ignorance, ajnana dattavajnana, in jnana, or in ignorance, ajnana, however he... T- touches the holy name with his tongue it burns to ashes like a a fire raging through a field of dry grass it burns to ashes all our sinful life so Ajayana is committing sin by day but he comes home and says Narayan how are you? Narayan did you eat dinner? Narayan go to bed it's past your bedtime this is Krishna's causeless mercy on his devotee even though he's so sinful Krishna never forgot his little service so when he called for Narayan, he remembered his Lord Narayan. And Lord sent his Vishnu Dutas to protect him, to take him back. But in, in this situation, he got his life restored. He went to Haridwar and he continued. He picked up where he left off in his devotional service and ultimately went back to Godhead. Lord's so kind. We can't imagine how kind Lord is to his devotee who engages in little service. Is that helpful for your question, Mataji? Yes, Prabhuji, very nice elaboration, very nice, yeah. I was just thinking that, uh, uh, you know, like when you were saying Krishna is not different from his name, and since we are studying about Ajamil, that thing was coming to me, that how uh, this Katha makes us understand, but then you said, no, he was very Krishna conscious, and yes, he was taking some flowers, just he got some allurement, you know, and then he just kind of went to that direction. So, and also teaches us Maya so strong, so... You know, Jamal such a great person uh, he was. He fell into this prey, but so we have to be very careful. You know, with Maya and everything. Actually, the, the example, the instruction is association, because he associated, he witnessed this horrible scene, because he was associated there. He fell down. Association is very, very powerful. Sangat sanjayate kama. 
Your desire in life comes from your association. By association, a, a maidservant's son became Narad Muni. And by association, a Brahmin became a, 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 a sinful dakwait. Association is very important. So Prabhupada explains that if we remain in the association of devotees, and Chaitanya Charitamrita talking about this Bhakti Lata Bij, if we fence our Bhakti Lata Bij, if we protect our Bhakti, Bhakti Lata Bij with the fence of devotee association and following the instructions of Guru, then our Bhakti Lata Bij can grow all the way to the lotus feet of Krishna and produce the fruit of Krishna Prema, love of God. And we have to make that fence by staying in the association of devotees and following instructions of Guru. Thank you so much, Prabhuji. Thank you for your time and your making us understand, uh, you know, so nicely. Hare Krishna. Okay, thank you all, Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna, Prabhuji. Just wanted to add one. Uh, you were saying that uh, Lord is Swarat uh, and Atmadam. That's a very nice. I found one nice, like, a song by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Kabe Habe Bolo Sedino Ama. That is Sanagati. When will the day that they come? When I'll get to the name. When will you appear? We should always cry for it. Like, try to cry. Try to. Hare Krishna, Partha Prabhuji. Thank you for sharing that. I think Sarvadik Prabhu just is not visible to me. He is left. Uh, but yeah, thank you for sharing, Prabhuji. Uh, uh, I wanted to tell you that your voice comes very low.